Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Looking for the perfect gift? Check out a Visa Virtual Account. Available at giftcards.com. Gifting a Visa Virtual Account is easy. Simply select your gift amount, add optional personalization, and click send. A thoughtful gift delivered in moments. As one of the world's most recognized brands, virtual Visa cards are secure, never expire, and work for any budget. They're also eco-friendly. Eliminate the need for plastic with a virtual gift delivered straight to their inbox. Whether you're shopping for a family member, friend, coworker, or client, a Visa virtual account is always the perfect fit. Visa virtual accounts can be used online anywhere Visa is accepted, so the possibilities are endless. They're convenient to send and easy to spend, making it the perfect gift for any occasion. Start gifting your virtual visa today at www.giftcards.com slash virtual. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another brand new episode of What the Throne, the weekly Game of Thrones podcast here at Collider. My name is Destin. I'm here with Ashley Victoria Robinson. And this is, it's been a while since we've done this in studio in person. I know. I feel like I can see you in 3D for the first time. I know. <laughs> uh, and we can hear each other more clearly. Than, I mean, Skype's not bad, but it's still, there's no delay and you can like see each other and then you can talk and there, there's no technical difficulties. Yeah. And, and you're not <laughs> waiting for the other person. Like, uh, are they done yet? Okay, maybe they are. I can't tell. Um, but yeah, we are back in studio. And we have we actually some have some good amount of stuff to talk I about. I know it's so exciting. Not, that new, we're... not news on the new <laughs> on the new series, but uh, some interesting stuff about the old series and also the alumni mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones. So let's start off with the big thing, which is they kind of um, for the Emmys they had to submit. A bunch of uh, scripts, right, for uh, the best writing, mm-hmm. and they they submitted a bunch of stuff, and and people were able to take a look at some of the certain scenes and, and whatnot. And, I believe and, all the season eight scripts are now available yeah, at the Writers Guild. Oh, okay. I think you right now have to go to the Writers Guild in Los Angeles to access them, but they will. I bet they'll be digitalized before we know it. Yeah. And apparently, you know, some fans have already gone and checked out and seen what the differences were from the written scripts and what was actually shot. And so these aren't – well, actually, one I think might have been a, like a true – what you would call deleted scene. Yeah. Uh, where they actually shot it and they just cut it from the from from the final episode. But the rest of these are just they're – scri- they're written in the scripts and then they were – cut it out and they weren't shot. This is from my understanding. Yeah, and they seem like they were things that were cut for time or for yes. lack of context. Um, this happens on all TV shows. This is not unique to Game of Thrones. That's why we have 
special features on Blu-rays. And a lot of the times when you watch them, I would say most of the time, you can understand why things were cut uh, for time, for story context, things like that. Uh, I know the article that we pulled this from kind of frames it as, should this have been left in? And everybody across the fandom seems to agree that with the exception of one thing that was cut, Mm -hmm. all of these could have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but hilariously, the discourse around the scene that was left in, and I know we'll we'll get into mm-hmm. that, is like, this would have saved the <laughs> no. finale. Of, and and, and I'm, I'm sorry if you believe that. I disagree. Yeah. I don't think... I and think the, it might and, have added and, some context, but... Yeah, and this is coming from two people who are more defenders of yeah, the more final positive, season. for sure. Um, but yeah, one, one little tiny thing is not gonna... Uh, it, it's kind of like me... Sorry to go off on tangent... I battle with uh, a lot of these, uh, uh, what is it, the Snyder Cut people, right? Because they think that this movie Move on. <laughs> is going to th- – there's a theme song now. I don't yeah, know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. I tweeted it out. It's, just, it's hilarious. Anyways, uh, and they happened – they, they pulled the clips of John Rocha and Mark Ellis in there, uh, yeah, not yeah. knowingly. Um, but anyways, like – I'm not saying that, let's say, the Snyder Cut isn't better than what we got. I, I, I can't say because I didn't see it. Exactly. Right? It could be. Yeah. But there's no way that it monumentally, fundamentally turns the whole thing into like it's – and I didn't even mind just – so that's the thing is I'm not like a hater. Like I didn't actually – I actually enjoyed – I mean even though it was like a Frankenstein monster of stuff – there was things enough in it that I enjoyed it. Wasn't I, the best. I enjoyed Justice League, yeah. but you know it's the same thing. We can go all the way back to when we were making Superman the movie franchise. Uh, you know the Dick Donner cut um, of Superman two yes. came out decades later. If we get a Snyder cut, it's going to be decades later. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It doesn't save the movie. No, I mean it can improve upon sure. it, right? It does yeah. does it better? I've seen directors' cuts do that as well, but. They don't transform them. Like I remember uh, the Justice League uh, – not Justice League, Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. The extended cut, uh, The extended cut, yeah. cut. Did I like it better than the the first one? The theatrical? Yeah. But it didn't, you know, completely, you know, <laughs> transform exactly. it into something. So anyway, so that's how I feel about some of these, these scenes. I mean let's go through the scenes. We got uh, – there's one with uh, Yara and Euron, I guess, as she's still captured mm-hmm. on the boat before Theon saves her. Euron has like basically kind of a gloating – another gloating moment and just saying he's going to go sleep with the Queen Cersei and apparently he kisses her on the lips, which is gross because he's his uncle and mm-hmm. she's a niece. But then again, Game of Thrones hasn't shied away from grossness. Yeah, I, I don't think this was necessary. I mm-hmm. mean, I love Euron Greyjoy. I think he makes a meal out of it, and he's really, really oh, yeah. fun to watch. It could have been interesting thematically to see an uncle and a niece because we know that we're going to be confronted with an aunt and a nephew yeah. in Danny and John. But, like, the fact that this was cut, I think it's fine. Yeah, like, it's then, not a big deal. Yeah, and there's another additional dialogue scene between him and Harry Strickland, who I thought Remember, was going to be— Leader of the Golden Company. Yeah, which I thought it was going to be a much bigger character. I remember when he got introduced in, like, was it the second episode yeah. or the first episode? And I was like, all right, he's going to be play. And then in no. his second appearance, he says nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he has like one scene with the whole elephants thing and then later he just gets completely demolished. Yeah, but thank of... God for the elephant scene because it spawned a lot of cute fan art. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, they have a uh, – Euron and him have a conversation. He's also, you know, 
says stuff about Cersei again. You know what I mean? So they're just kind of driving that 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 point home. Um, I mean, it's a bummer because the Golden Company was something that was heralded for so long. It's gone into more in the books. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at the overall scope of season eight, I mean, there's no there's just no time for it, and that's why, unfortunately, for that actor who got paid, so he's doing fine. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that he got reduced to just a couple of lines, mm-hmm. but. I think giving him two more lines makes absolutely like no difference in the long yeah. run. Um, here we have a scene that was supposed to be early in, I think, season. Well, actually, no. It was supposed to happen during the the long night, but uh, in season eight, uh, when Jon Snow becomes king in the north, mm-hmm. um, you have uh, Alice. Is it Alice? Alice Karstark, mm-hmm. and then her. I think her little. Is it her little brother? Yes. Uh, they come and you know they basically normally the people of the north would be like all right you betrayed us so now your house is going to be in ruin and whatnot and maybe they'll they'll blame the kids and the relatives and whoever else but of course Jon Snow has you know he's nobler than that he he displays a lot of mercy so he, he allows them to continue to be underneath this kind of north uh, country, I guess, or North Kingdom, and it's really it's a kingdom by the end of the series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess in the script, the characters come back. I think the kid dies, right? Yeah, dies at the very beginning yeah. uh, from the White Walkers. But apparently, uh, Alice comes back and like is like I'm gonna help protect Theon in the Godswood. Well, yeah, they're gonna stand up for Bran. And... Yeah, and do all this stuff, but ultimately they just cut her out, which it was a nice thing, but it's just one of those things where especially, you know, a character that you just got introduced to once mm-hmm. before and just pops out you might not even remember who that character is if they just pop up a season and a half later like who is that i'm gonna be honest i forgot this character's name okay i forgot this character existed completely um but reading this and reading this article and Mm -hmm. you know looking into this in preparation for the show this is actually the thing that i'm not saying it was necessary for the show i completely Mm -hmm. understand what but this is the detail that i'm the most interested in because i do remember about this time last year, we had heard that there was a casting call for the female Karstark mm-hmm. role. And we had heard that she was going to be quite prominent in this season. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we haven't seen the Karstark since the big betrayal. We haven't had a Karstark character really step up. And we were sort of ramping up into season eight with all of these powerful women. We had Lyanna, we had Arya, we had mm-hmm. Cersei, we had Danny, Missandei. Um, so th- I think the idea of her is so interesting. And I mean, I love Theon's last stand. I love my baby Theon. Uh, it would have been cool to see her there going on a similar journey, being redemptive for her family, yeah. whereas Theon was being redemptive for herself. I think, though, that's something that's probably a detail that they got from George about the books. Yeah. That's going to make a great POV chapter <laughs> in whatever the last book, Song of Spring. Um, but it, for the sake of the television show, for the sake of that pilot, like, can you imagine, like, Theon is a character that we've known from the pilot. Yes. If it had been him and that redheaded girl, the, like yeah, like you, his yeah. Charlie Brown girlfriend was hanging out, it would I think it would have felt weird and forced for the world of the show. And he, you were saying they were casting a new actress because this had taken place, you know, when they, you first get introduced to her in the show, it's like right after Battle of the yes, Bastards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is, you know, what, end, ending of season six, mm-hmm. beginning of uh, season seven. So, you know, like, 
who knows what the period of time between that and years, literally yeah, years, <laughs> happens in this other castle and new. And I just so, remember the THR article really made it seem like she was going to be something, well, and then remember the girl <laughs> from Thirteen Reasons Why yeah, got cast that's as. Right. In uh, Avengers Endgame and then <laughs> ended up I – mean, they finally revealed that she was going to play Tony, Tony Stark's daughter but grown yeah. up. But they never included that that part. Yeah. Well, you know, it's fine. If they got cast, they probably got paid or they got bought yeah. out. So, yeah. But it's, it's one of those things. You're like, <laughs> I'm going to be in Avengers Endgame and then – Oh, I um, get it. Didn't. I'm going to be in Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. Well, to be fair, this girl is in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, I think she just has kind of like uh, Harry Harry Strickland, Mr. Golden Company. Mm-hmm. I just think she has one line when they're swear they're re swearing fealty. Um, it's going to be a great chapter in the yeah. book. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> she's uh, writing this to more things. She's doing fine. <laughs> um, this next one is is more of a. I would say significant change, but definitely changes the tone mm-hmm. of this scene, which is in the crypts in the Battle of Winterfell, where Sansa and Tyrion are holed up and, you know, kind of felt to be made useless, you know, like they have nothing to do. In the show, we saw them basically hold hands. It was a nice touch. It was a moment. really nice moment. Like they knew they thought they were going to die. They're like, OK, we're gonna, at least we're going to die together. Not as like. Lovers or anything, but it's people who mutually who res- have love and respect, respect and, yes, yeah. and have gone through stuff together, you know. Um, but instead, in the script, it has them like, like, you know, decapitating whites and like saving. You know what I mean? Like, like, like as like the whites are coming in, like yeah. kind of more of a hero moment for them, which not exactly fits into their character. They're not fighters. They're not. They're not, I mean, certainly not Sansa, right? Like Tyrion, maybe, and Tyrion does have a couple sort of more heroic moments in the final cut of the episode, but uh, Kim Renfro, who kind of wrote these reactions, she points out that in the script, they save Gilly and uh, mm-hmm. Baby Sam, Sam and yeah. Miss Melisandre. Uh, 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 I was going to say no. Miss Sunday. Miss Sunday, yeah. Oh, Miss Sunday. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, honestly, it would have made more sense to me if Miss Sunday had been the one to take initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the original script was like she's stuck and with the pointy end, and you're like that's not a again for me that's not Sansa, and I'm really glad that this moment didn't wind up. Do you think it, I think it would have been really silly? I think so too. It, it'd be it'd fall in line with the more cliche mm-hmm. stuff, which Game of Thrones mostly away from though at times would kind of wander into and just this would just kind of add to it where even like Tyrion at his most heroic and most brave like it wasn't like a physical thing right like one of my favorite scenes with Tyrion and, and his bravery and heroism is in um, the Battle of Blackwater mm-hmm. and he rallies the troop it's not about his physical you know <laughs> superior you know, yeah he he rallies them because he's like look you know we're probably all gonna die let's not die like chumps you know? yeah, like, yeah let's do something his, his bravery is almost self-serving or, or perhaps accidental is a yeah. better word for it like he's not you know i know we're gonna talk about this in a little bit but not to go all lord of the rings on it he's not like aragorn leading the charge no. against mordor you know what i mean he's like well i mean we don't want to die, so I guess we'll stab someone. Yeah. And for him, I think to take this initiative, it would have, I think it would have been. Because I'm like picturing, like they didn't film it, but I'm picturing it's like, 
Like, like yeah, the, no, it's like the whites, and they're about to get them, and then you don't see Sansa and Tyrion, uh-huh. and then, like, all of a sudden you're like, they, they explode because they got hit with the dragon glass, and then, like, you know, pans up as you see, you know what I mean? It's like they're, like, hovering in these heroic poses, yeah. And I mean, I, we, do, we do know that they were forging dragon glass. There was a bunch yes. of dragon glass around, but not strong enough reason for me. Yeah, especially just the way it was written. Yeah. Um, all right, now we have uh, Masande and uh, Grey Worm. Uh, they have, a, I guess, a scene. What is it? A screen? A scene? Where she kind of uh, follows him out, and she's like, I'm not feeling well. And da- Danny basically observes their interactions and allows Masande to go after Grey Worm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this would have been sweet. I think Missandei and Grey Worm were pretty short-shrifted in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and not to enter the discussion too deeply, but, uh, you know, as two of the most prominent characters of color left, it was kind of a bummer that they got reduced how they got reduced and then one of them, you know, got brutally murderized by an evil white lady. Um, I like these characters and I like their relationship. I think this would have been a sweet the way it's the way it's laid out here anyway, it would have been a sweet scene. It would have been nice to see. But again, when you're looking at and especially the fact that these are like ninety minute, two hour episodes. Yeah. So you have to be you know, you gotta be brutal. So I understand why this was cut because it doesn't serve the overarching narrative. You yeah. know, it doesn't serve Danny and John and ultimately that's whose story this season is. Would you have liked to see it? I think we just added, and it wouldn't have added too much mm-hmm. to what we've already known. So I know it's not a pivotal scene to their relationship. It's not a romantic. Yeah. <laughs> um, now this stuff, I think, is a little more. Is this the Danny stuff? Well, Danny stuff, but there's also it's Varys and Tyrion. I oh, guess there was yeah, some yeah. dialogue about. Varys not being like the information of Jon Snow being a Targaryen like hey is this true like we don't know if this is true or not right which was a cool there were a couple scenes about that that we thought were pretty cool in the episodes and I guess Tyrion says well have you ever seen a non-Targaryen ride a dragon and so that was like the the proof you know but not totally necessary. No, and and ultimately the scene I believe that they were talking about, it felt like if they, we were going to have that specific conversation, mm-hmm. maybe it should have come earlier because um, John actually rides the dragons a couple episodes before this was set to take place. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and then also um, Varys becomes such a proponent of John Snow. Yeah, on very the quickly, very quickly. And so I don't know if he would have that kind of doubt of the. The validity of the information, and then be like, "All right, you're <laughs> you're the guy. We're gonna push you." You know? Yeah, because so. if we were gonna have that that character turns like quickly, so to have him, yeah, the lingering doubts maybe would have made it seem less genuine. Mm-hmm. I guess the genuine not being a word that I would necessarily associate with Varys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also you have after Varys is killed, there's a more of a conversation with uh, John and Danny. Um, where, uh, let me see here. It disgusts oh, you? No, no, that too. There's the, the whole part of him knowing. I guess there's a little more detail about him knowing um, more about uh, Varys' plan to try mm. and put him on the throne because he didn't really tell Danny. Like, so there's kind of like this more of this distrust. I mean, I, that one I wouldn't have minded. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think 
Like I said, none of these things are fix-all, right? Not Absolutely and, not. But, you know, a little layered into like, okay, she's – okay, he knew that someone else wanted him on the throne and he didn't tell me, you know, like mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Maybe it would have um, – because Danny had a couple scenes where she confronted John and – I know I definitely felt like she was being like maybe a little, dare I say, hysterical. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that layering in of just that couple extra lines would have made her actions feel a little more justified. Mm-hmm. But it's funny um, because the section that we're in now, it's a couple, it's, it's, it's kind of like a handful of John lines or John mm-hmm. context lines that are cut. And John says so little to begin with. So it's hilarious to me that at some point they were thinking of having him say even more and it was cut for mm-hmm. – for time or for clarity's sake or, or, or for one reason or another, it's like, wow, you you just want him to kind of smolder off into the distance a little more. Yeah. In this one, it says, Jon Snow says, I, I think you know he knew about me and he wanted me to claim the throne. So. Do you think that that would have softened um, the, the brutality of Varys' death? Because that was something that people – um, on our show and out on the internet, had a really strong reaction to, and they didn't feel like it was the right choice that Danny made. Uh, I mean, remember there was the whole inference of Varys trying to poison mm-hmm. her. But there's there's a difference between an inference and John laying it out a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, think. I mean, that's why for me it wasn't that. Egregious, where it's like mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> like she was trying to, he was trying to poison her, mm-hmm. you know, and she would refuse to eat the food because she was paranoid and rightfully so, apparently. Um, so I, I think this would have added a little more to the paranoia. Um, but yeah, definitely wouldn't fix it. But you know, as to it, also there has like a yeah. You mentioned that it disgusts you talking about John yeah. and Danny kissing and John's uncomfortability with that where Danny doesn't have that. I was glad they cut this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this same I think this same idea is summed up where it's the it's another discussion between Varys and Tyrion where they're like, what if we just have them marry? And Tyrion's like, John will never marry her because mm-hmm. I know Targaryens married each other, but like John can't do it. I think that summed it up. It up more like in a with a nicer bow than this discussion would have. I think this discussion would have been really harsh. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not saying that's okay to kiss your aunt, but if we're supposed to empathize with the fact that John loves her and is being tortured by this, I think that discussion would have put a damper on it a little bit. I understand why you were like, maybe we'll cut these couple lines or we'll mm-hmm. rewrite them. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and then this last one. I, this one I can't tell if it was shot or not because they, they kind of talked about the director, Miguel Sapachnik. Yeah. And him deciding not to show Daenerys after mm-hmm. she decides to go and burn everything down. Like, they show her, but, I mean, they don't, you know. We don't of, see her face, as yeah. is pointed out in the article, yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently, like, they cut into more of her looking at like the throne room and like other sigils mm-hmm. of taking on, on uh, King's Landing. Yeah, and they point out they point out um in there there's there's an uh, an excerpt from the action what's called an action in a script where they're describing yeah. what characters are doing and what they're seeing and they talk about how this was the throne room built by her ancestors yeah. surrounded by the symbols of the kingdom and like all that's beautiful and wonderful and and this is the thing that people are hanging their hat on that this would have like saved the whole series. Mm-hmm. It 
wouldn't have. Would it have been nice to see a couple close-ups on Amelia Clark's yeah. face where she's crying or where she's like holding her head or uh-huh. she's having an emotional reaction? Yes, that would have been nice. Was there room for that? Absolutely there was. If she if her performance was worthy of an Emmy nomination, maybe we should have seen some mm-hmm. more of it. But what they're specifically quoting here, it's not something that anyone would see. It's all stuff that's going on inside an actor's yes. head and it's looking at a set. If we're looking at a set, maybe a, a layman or, or a casual watcher doesn't know what the seven-pointed star is, doesn't know what this sigil means, yeah. doesn't know what this, that, this, that, doesn't know what um, – uh, the, who these dragons are who are on the wall. Like, that's the kind of stuff that the book is going to clarify. I don't think adding that scene in particular would have saved uh-huh. the finale. I think it would have been nice. Yeah, and also you might get misinterpretations because sure. look, if you cut to her looking at that, you're thinking, oh, maybe she wants power. Mm-hmm. She wants, you know what I mean? You can interpret it. If you don't have that internal dialogue, you're like, Okay, she's just power hungry mm-hmm. now versus – Dear God, we don't need a monologue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I understand why some people think that it would have been necessary. But, you know, I, I think the groundwork just needed to be laid longer. And mm-hmm. it's not her turn that, like, bothers me. I, I think it just needs – needed to have more more of the paranoia more of the whatever and we we ultimately do get a version of this when she's in the throne room after the sacking of king's landing when john comes in to kill her because she's looking at the ruins Mm -hmm. of this very same room and we do have that shot from the back and she looks very small and she's looking up at the iron throne and you see the broken window like we have a variation on this scene Um, now it does lead into what some people consider to be the most brutal moment in Game of Thrones, which mm-hmm. I think is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if a, you know a similar shot where the throne room is intact. I don't know if that would have been uh, the holy saving grail that people no. want it to be. No, I, I don't think either. And also, you know, you know, like I said, I'm still slowly getting through the audio book. Oh yeah, here. book watch, Dennis. Yes, how far no, are you? I'm still not that far. I'm like. <laughs> Like, because you listen for like an hour, and then you're like, "Oh, I just that was six paragraphs." Yeah, or that was like, you know, five to ten minutes in in in. in, I'm basically where I'm at. Where Ned is starting to investigate the death of John Aaron. I learned that Nan is related to Hodor. Yeah, way 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 back. (laughs) Um, Which I think, uh, you know, kind of knowing. The true story of Hodor and where he ends up and Nan being the keeper of – you know, she's kind of mystic in her own yes. way too I think is an interesting tie. Yeah, she has definitely you know, stories to tell. Yeah. Um, but uh, – oh, the, I found the Danny stuff it moves actually quite quickly in the book because – Only in the first book and then she's just kind of waiting around a marine for like three books. <laughs> because in the first book, like I, like I said, I'm not even that far. She's already pregnant. Like, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. she gets pregnant real quick like – so she's already like asserted control over um, uh, what's his what's his face? Drogo? Her bro- brother, no, her brother. Oh, Viserys. Viserys. You know, like or those as that- we used to say, Viserys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just that stuff. And then also you ha- you do have our internal dialogue, which helps because then even obviously I know the ending of of where she ends up. Yeah. But listening to her inner monologue. In the book, you're like, oh, I can see how this girl flip. You know what I mean? And she talks a lot in those early chapters about 
being wary that her brother is going to fall prey to the madness mm-hmm. and how she sees him being like the stories about her father. So it kind of is interesting to be discussing the show on the other mm-hmm. end of that where Danny's become, you know, the mad queen if you want to. Yeah. If you want to frame it that way. Yeah. I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, this has been book watch. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, yeah, I'll be hopefully I'll be I'll be done with the book in like twenty fifty. <laughs> I was gonna be like by the end of the year. Yeah. You going anywhere for the holidays, Dennis? <laughs> uh, right now, no plans. So. Um, okay, so you know that was a bunch of uh, cut scenes from the script. Like I said, some some would work. Some just th- no time. I think they all would have been cool to see. Yeah, but I think. I don't think any of these are revelatory enough to be like – because sometimes you do see a cutscene and you're like, that really should have been in there. I think in I Will Die on This Hill, I think in The Two Towers, you should have seen Faramir's flashback to Boromir where you you just see how wonderful he is and they reclaim his guilt. That's one of the things where I was like, that should have been in the theatrical cut. But very rarely do you see things cut where you're like, that would have really changed our understanding of a character. And I don't think any of these would have. Yeah, because the one with the Faramir and Bormir, you're, all you think of is Bormir is like this really awful, yeah. also played by, you know. Sean Bean. Bean yeah. um, you, you More think, on that later. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you just think of him as an awful, you know. Tragic. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, the next thing we have is this concept art book. Dennis, I want it so bad. Uh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. HBO. Please send us one or five. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, these concept arts, you know, that were recreated for the show. I mean, the shots and the moods. I mean, even like, you know, this one of the Theon's Last Stand. I want an art print of that. That one, I mean, as cool as it looked in the show, this one looks better. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, it's hard to replicate what someone draws because they don't have any – they don't have to do any – you know what I mean? And it's sort of like they don't have to build the tree. They don't have to – you know what yeah. I mean? They, just, they draw it, which obviously is, you know, talent, uh, obviously. But uh, but they're moodier and, and more evocative. Yes. Uh, shout out to Deborah Riley, who is the artist who did this, who compiled the book, who, who I believe has um, either author or creator credit on the uh, concept art book. But – what I love especially about this image, and, and as the world's only Theon Greyjoy fan, I know this, <laughs> when Theon returns to his Theon identity after he's been reek for a while mm-hmm. and he's standing at the godswood, he says, let me die with a sword in my hand. Let me die as Theon. And in this image, he's back at the godswood mm-hmm. and he's got the sword mm-hmm. and he's going to protect Bran and he's going to die. Um, we saw this one. We saw the um, – the Tyrell Lannister wedding, and we saw Tor- Tormund, Giant's Bane, being a badass on the wall. All of which, um, maybe not exactly, but are pretty closely mocked up in the yes. books. These are also none of these are um, what might be considered key moments, but they're great teaser images. So, like, I can't wait to see what some of the concept art looks like with the dragons yeah. at the Battle of the Bastards. Like, I think these pictures are stunning. Like, they are truly high art. And I can't yes. wait to see. Because, like, um, the, some of the Drew Struzan Star Wars stuff has this feeling to it. Some of the classic Lord of the Rings illustrations, even the classic Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes I- illustrations, have this feeling. So I can't wait to see the stuff that's going to be truly fantastical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wedding one looks like they recreated pretty faithfully. Because mm-hmm, yeah. there's a photo included. Yeah. A screenshot, rather. Yeah. Uh, the Theon one, I like the concept uh, art even more than the the shot in the series because in that one you can really tell like 
that's Theon. He is by himself. Like mm-hmm. the the impending doom and the sacrifice that he's going to make just feels much bigger in this in this uh, concept art. And there's a smart use of um, positive and negative space. Like there's very little of it that's lit, as you pointed yes. out. Dennis, is there a moment or a scene that you would really like to see art from? We know you're a huge Battle of the Bastards fan, huge Cersei fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think. You know, I mean, it's probably something from Battle of the Bastards, mm-hmm. probably before they actually start fighting, something like that. I mean, and I'm sure a lot of things were drawn out, you know, for, oh, for that for sure. as well. You know, people don't realize, like, things are you got concept art, you have animatics, there's mm-hmm. story, you know what I mean? Storyboards, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have all, all this stuff planned out uh, ahead of time in order to get the visuals that, that you are looking for. So, yeah, uh, the book is $75, a little hefty. It's probably a nice hardback book, though. Yeah, I know. I'm sure it's a beautiful, worth it book, but it is $75. I'm betting, I will call it right here, right now, first printing sells out. Yes. And it goes to a second printing that takes five months to reprint, mm-hmm. like The Art of Spider-Verse, which mm-hmm. is also a really great art book if anyone likes collecting things. This is going to be on nerds' copy tables mm-hmm. uh, until we pass away, Dennis. Well, <laughs> Amazon has it for $67.50. Is it Prime? Is it free shipping? I don't – because it's a pre-order, so it doesn't say. Uh, but it says Because if it's will, free shipping, that's a pretty good deal actually. It's going to be released on November 5th, which is not that far away. So, so if anyone wants to send us a holiday gift, we will be accepting the uh, Art of Game of Thrones yeah. book. <laughs> um, the cover is fantastic. I do hope that they have art, and I can't imagine why they wouldn't, but I do hope they have art that spans every season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're seeing a lot of the more contemporary images, but um, can you imagine if in season one we saw like Arya and Cyril Pharrell mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. or we saw the first time Melisandre shows up? Like we could see Danny with the baby well, dragons take, coming take, through take the fire. Take a look at this. Like, so here's like um, – Oh, the library. Yeah. And then I think this is the veil, right? Yes. The airy. Yeah. And then – Winterfell. I know this is making great radio for everybody listening at home. You're welcome. Westeros, but My. I love this cover. I, I get this as a poster. Yeah. This, this, this with this or without cover. the Game of Thrones logo. Without the logo, just straight up, just the the composition of that actually really reminds me of uh, speaking of Lord of the Rings, the the fell beasts when they're coming down over Osgiliath mm-hmm. when Faramir's got Frodo and Sam. The way that they have the dragon pose up there is gorgeous, gorgeous picture. There. So there we go. Um, if you pre-ordered it, tweet us and let us know because we're curious. Um, then we have uh, some Game of Thrones alumni news. Jason Momoa. Dun, dun, dun. Aquaman himself. Yeah, so he has a new show on Apple Plus. Is that what they're calling it now? Uh, sure. Let's uh, – uh, I think so. Apple TV Plus. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I don't mean this to be shady or to sound uh, derogatory in any way. Apple TV is the one I understand the least. But – they have some incredible talent, including Khal Drogo himself. It's the one – I'll be honest. It's the one I'm least excited for out of all – like we have Netflix. We have Amazon. We have Disney Plus. I mean Disney Plus. Hulu. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just n- none of the Apple TV Plus series yet. I mean this is, remains to be seen. I could watch something and it change my mind. But they have definitely the talent behind it. But I haven't seen anything – they, they, I thought they kind of made a big mistake when they announced um, mm-hmm. 
Apple TV because they came out and they're like, hey, here's Apple TV. And they brought all these big stars, right? They had, I think, like Oprah and Spielberg. Spielberg and all that. But they didn't show anything. They like I showed, don't think they had anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they like, you know, I think there was like a snippet of something. And it's like, you have to understand in this world, like, people want to see stuff to get yeah. excited. It, it's no longer, you can't just say a celebrity or even a famous director is behind something. And because sure, everyone, everyone uh, Hulu has, um, Hulu has the Leonardo DiCaprio Devil in the White City. Yeah. You know, everyone, every streaming service has a major star now because yeah. streaming is viable. Although one of the articles that I didn't send you when we were curating mm-hmm. stories for the show is that um, apparently Apple is spending so much money on their shows that the headline was uh, Apple TV budgets make Game of Thrones look like nothing. And we all, we know Game of Thrones to date has been one of the most expensive yes. ones so more Game of Thrones But I'm tie-ins. wondering if they're putting that money into the, you know. You mean how much of that is going to Oprah versus yeah. the, the actual production of the like show? Like above the line. Yeah. Instead of, you know. Because with Game of Thrones, obviously, later on, those actors did get more money and the creators and the whatever. But still, none of them were like. Sean Bean was the biggest star in yeah. season one. So, yeah. so they were putting a lot of the money into the actual like mm-hmm. set design and. You know, and production. you can you can see it yes. honestly. You can absolutely see it in the show. Um, so, All right, so Jason Momoa. Yeah, so he's doing this uh, show called C, um, and he basically C. Will you spell that for us? S E E. Just in case anyone thought it was like the ocean yeah. or or the letter, yeah, or uh, like yes in Spanish. So basically, he just said that Game of Thrones helped him prepare to take on this role, and he kind of lamented the fact that. In Game of Thrones, even though he loved doing it, that he was such a small part of it because he was like, my character fell in love and then died, you know, and like. Yeah, now he knows how a lot of women feel yeah. on TV. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and to be to be fair to him, um, he did a really good job with a character who could have been truly nothing. Yeah. Um, and he also doesn't speak much English. Yeah. He's speaking, you know, he's kind of like the Klingons in uh, at least in season one of Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're grappling with a made-up language, I do think um, I do think Jason Momoa deserves props for making that character even halfway decent. Yeah, and very memorable because people still remember him as called Dro- Drogo. People in there, I've been to weddings where people still call each other my son and stars. Yeah. Like, even though I think the book does a better version of it than the show, uh-huh. um, showing their earning their love. Um, Drogo and Danny are iconic, mm-hmm. and he's no small part of that. He's doing fine. He's still making residuals. He's Aquaman. He'll be okay. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, and he talks about Aquaman and, and and whatnot, and how Game of Thrones has prepared him to be in Aquaman, and now Aquaman has prepared him to be in Sea. Well, let's he, let's be honest. He's Aquaman is Cal Drogo with. Out of accent. Yes. And yes. Cal Drogo is uh, who did he play in Stargate? Atlantis. Oh, uh, I forgot his name. The guy, the guy, the yes, alien. Yeah. Um, but you know, Jason Momoa plays a very specific type, and he does it well. So it's really cool that he's giving props to Game of Thrones. Game mm-hmm. of Thrones obviously was huge for him, mm-hmm. and he probably worked with up to that point some of the best directors of his career. So if he manages to make C. As impactful as he manages to make Cal Drogo, maybe it'll be the best show on Apple TV. <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's... Are you, you going to watch it? I'll, I'll check it out. I'll, sure. <laughs> I'll check it out. I mean, at least the first episode. Yeah. I mean, he has said this is the greatest thing he's ever worked on. Uh, but you have to come from his perspective where, like, okay, in Game of Thrones, he wasn't the star of the show. Yeah. Like, he, 
few scenes here and there um, and only one season out of eight seasons. So in Aquaman, you know, that was a big budget movie and he was a star of that. But I think probably with something like this, he probably had a bigger hand in this mm-hmm. in this series where like he probably has a producing, co-producing credit. And, I would assume and, and, so, yeah. Where, where I think with Aquaman, he's just part of that machine, right, in, <laughs> in there. Um, but, yeah, so it's nice to see that he's doing well and check out the, that he, show. He's going to do he's gonna do well for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had a really nice moment uh, last week when Zoe Kravitz was announced to be yes, uh, Catwoman, who is step-da- his stepdaughter. Stepdaughter? Goddaughter? Stepdaughter. Stepdaughter. Yeah. I don't but he congratulated her, and that was – I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Um, all right. We got uh, another casting news. We have uh, Joseph Mao, who played Benjamin Stark in Game of Thrones, also not a huge role, even smaller than Jason Momoa's role, even but, though he was in more seasons. But, but, a, he, but a character who – Very impactful, m- though. Yeah, maybe like hung over the series yeah. more. Um you know, and in 700 years, when you make it to audiobook four and five, yeah. um, Benjen is actually a much bigger presence okay. in the books. Benjen is – his influence is – or cold hands as it comes yeah. to me. You know, his influence is felt okay. across that series. Uh, I thought he was incredible in Game of Thrones and I cut you off before you could say what he was cast as. <laughs> oh, he was cast as uh, the villain in the Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. So another – Game of Thrones alum <laughs> in there. Crossing you have, into the Lord of the Rings Yeah, yeah you got Brian Cogman, who was a big part mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones. Is one of, he was one of the co-producers on Game of Thrones and head writers. Uh, Sean Bean, of course, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so also, if, if he uh, winds up – we say villain. We don't have confirmed who the villain is. Yeah. But if he winds up playing um, a Dunedain or a Numenorian who is Aragorn's ancestor, then we finally have confirmation that Aragorn and Boromir – are related. Mm. Even though they are related, don't at me. They have a common ancestor. I know. Mm. <laughs> um, I I know a lot of people think he's going to be playing um, maybe Morgoth. I doubt that. A lot of other people think he's going to be playing um, Sauron or the man who becomes Sauron. Mm. I also doubt that. Mm. Um, I really, I really hope whoever he plays and however they choose to play him, I hope he gets to be we think he's a good guy for a while and mm-hmm. then they flip him because he has – he's such an incredible actor. He plays such a open and friendly character as Benjen until he makes his turn. And it would be interesting to see that same thing in – excuse me, uh, Lord of the Rings. But I think he's a wonderful choice and mm-hmm. he has such a good look for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm definitely excited for that. Everyone's trying to fill this Game yeah. of Thrones void right now. I finally finished uh, Dark Crystal. What did you think of Dark Crystal? Oh, I loved it. Yeah? Loved it. Yeah. Do you love Deet more than anything? Uh, I'm trying to think. Deet, Deet was awesome. Rianne was cool. Deet, of course, I, I, is uh, uh, Nat- Natalie, yeah. yeah. Um, I Also, I watched the whole behind-the-scenes thing. The did documentary? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Just to see how big a fan, like, Taron Edgerton was. Of, also, was. If, if you really don't believe that puppetry is an art form, yeah. Uh, I think you should take some time and 
watch I just can't believe how much went into the making of that. I loved it when you saw the sets, which they did the same thing on the movie, but a lot of the sets are elevated oh, yeah. so that people can be in the puppets or, or they can be using the animatronics. And I thought that was so cool. And when you watch it, wave at my friend Ted, who's in the documentary, nice. <laughs> one of the producers. <laughs> nice. um, but yeah, fantastic series. I uh, finished it. I hope they make another one. And they have to because they already invested all that money I think they're, into I think they're the costumes. The season two. They have to because it's like all the money has been spent already. Truly. It would be so much cheaper to do more seasons going yes. forward. But after this, like we have His Dark Materials is right yes. on our doorstep. Watchmen just came out. Watchmen just came out. And then we have Lord of the Rings and we have Narnia oh, yeah. um, is coming as well. Narnia, I believe, is from Netflix. Um, so it is. I mean, you talk about filling that void like, yeah. There's people are trying a to, lot and, of people, and I'm just over here in my corner watching Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. <laughs> I need to watch that as well. It's so good. Yeah. It's uh, I don't recommend it if you're looking to fill that Lord of the Rings void in no, your life. No, it's a great no, HBO no, no, no. series. No. <laughs> um, all right, uh, the, we're kind of running out of time, but let me read off a few news stories yeah. and you can comment. And we had. Uh, Maisie Williams guests on RuPaul's Drag Race UK. We have Ge- the Game of Thrones armorer passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikolai Costa-Waldo joins A Taste of Hunger, which is a feature film. And we have Joran Greyjoy, the actor. Uh, what's his name? P- uh, Pilu? He has a uh, difficult has name to yeah. say. <laughs> Sorry. He, he suggests an alternative ending to Game of Thrones, but it was more in jest yeah, of yeah, where yeah, his character yeah, yeah. Ends, on, ends up on top. I just wanted to uh, – so I suggested the uh, the RuPaul's Drag Race UK okay. story uh, because I love RuPaul's Drag Race. I love the UK mm-hmm. version. I just think it's really funny and it is worth Googling the promotional image because Maisie Williams is standing on RuPaul's dress and it's very funny. Um, she also did an interview on his podcast, um, What the Tea, where she talks a lot about how she got the role on mm-hmm. Game of Thrones and what it was like growing up on the set. And I thought it was really interesting. And if our listeners are interested in Maisie or how she came to be Arya and what that looked like for her, I think that would be really great for them to listen to yeah. when they're done here, of course. Yeah, uh, Boyd Rankin is the name of the armorer that passed away. Yeah, just a shout out to him because he did incredible work. Yeah, it was uh, you know it's too bad, but he's left quite a legacy and quite a bar for other people to to cross moving forward. Yeah, um, I believe the Nikolai Coster Waldo movie is a Danish production. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Like Joel Kinnaman, also I believe is Swedish, and he goes back to his home country mm-hmm. and does a lot of original work there. Nikolai is also doing a production of Macbeth in Los Angeles next year, and I mm-hmm. hope I get tickets to it. And then what was the last year? we had? I don't remember. Was there one after? Oh, uh, well, I, I think I talked about the Yarn Grey Jewel. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, It's just funny. He wrote these things. Like He wrote, Dear Lena, like, I'm, I'm, where is he? He's like, I'm somewhere accepting a award for a romantic comedy Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, yeah, those are <laughs> worth Googling and reading. They're really funny. Yeah. But um, it, it's funny. I, a lot of people were sharing this originally because not everyone reads the articles, which is okay. Uh. As if this were serious because we have heard other yeah, yeah. actors sort of give their thoughts. But uh, in true Euron fashion, they are nothing but hilarious. No, and then the one to – basically had like two little, little letters. One was to uh, Nikolai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I killed you. It wasn't, it wasn't some brick. It was, it was me. me. So. That's how to comport yourself, my friends. Yeah. Be like Euron. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's it, I think, for this episode. Uh, yeah, I'm still, still waiting on any news. I mean, we already have that news of George R. Martin working on the uh, 
Targaryen, yeah, you know, yeah, Fire and Blood. I think that was one of the last things we talked about. <laughs> yeah, uh, series. Which at this point, the how long it's taking for? Look, normally for a series to come out, I'm thinking, okay, it's like, you know, obviously they need their time. Absolutely, Game of Thrones just ended, but. They knew Game of Thrones was ending a while ago. They've been planning. Look, even though we are just hearing about it, they have been planning. That series has been at least talked for literal years. Yeah. For we might it might have just trickled down to us now, but it's been in the works. <laughs> yes. So they are slow moving with it. Yeah. But we'll have to have uh, Mark Fernandez back on to talk more. Fire, and, fire blood. and blood. Yeah. And the see. closer we come to it actually being a real thing. Yeah. That was kind of like we mentioned before the second most obvious choice, mm-hmm. right? Besides sort of an age of heroes kind of. Uh, yeah. So. All right. Uh, where can people find you, Ashley? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V. Robinson. The V is very important. You can pre-order my sophomore comic book, Science Elements of Dark Energy. It hits comic book stores on December 18th. Or it's on Comixology right now. You can get the digital oh, nice. comic right now. Uh, my podcast, Geek History Lesson, at geekhistorylesson.com. And, of course, every week here with Dennis chatting What the Throne. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Think Hero, Instagram, Dennis.TZNG. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Collider videos, and our subscribe to our podcast feed, Collider Factory, or yeah, Collider Factory podcast <laughs> feed uh, for What the Throne. See you guys next time. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Give the gift of choice this season with multi-store cards at giftcards.com. With multi-store cards, treat them to dinner, movies, or shopping on one convenient card. Featuring all your favorites like Macy's, Alta, and Lululemon. It's a great gift card everyone will love. For last-minute gifting, choose the Happy Holidays or Holiday Favorites e-gift, delivered straight to their inbox. Purchase multi-store cards today at www.giftcards.com slash multi-store.